everybody. We're doing numbers 36 while our kids are eating breakfast, so um, please excuse the noises. Um, so this uh, chapter is actually the last chapter of numbers, and it is uh, going back to the story or referring back to the story of uh, the women whose uh, father passed away and they received the inheritance. Right, the daughters of Zelophehad, which we had looked at two days ago. And if you thought that, wow, they decided this and everything will be fine, the answer is no. Right. Uh, so the complicated issue that the tribe of uh, Zelophehad's tribe is concerned with is, well, what if these women marry men from other tribes? Then does the inheritance get diluted? Because what happens is when you get married to someone else, right, then they uh, take, then if the women, excuse me, don't marry someone else, then their husbands would take over that inheritance. That was the problem. If you were a dude, it didn't matter because it would just stay in your family tree. But if you're a woman, you took on that man's name, your inheritance would disappear. And it's important to note that in verse 4, that the reason this is a concern for them is because of this idea of the Jubilee or the restoration year, which they never celebrated. Eh. In any case, um, the reason why that's important is if there were a Jubilee, usually the... uh, for example, if people went into debt and they sold their land or something like that, um, during the year of Jubilee, everything would be restored. The debts would be canceled. But if they women who got married lost their land because they married someone of another tribe, that land wouldn't come back. Right. Now, in this complicated issue, Moses gives a very simple, obvious, practical answer. Just don't marry outside of your tribe. Mm-hmm. That if, you're, if you have a, <clears throat> a daughter who has an inheritance because there's no male heirs, just make sure that she marries within the tribe. Right. And it seems a little bit... Um, restraining. Restraining because you're like, wait, but that's... What? I don't, I don't understand. But I think in our Western culture, it does seem weird. But I think in uh, the uh, tribe of Israel, right, it's... It's, you can still marry who you think is best. Right. Uh, granted, I mean, there it is a limit, but there are a lot of Israelites. But also, I think there is this sense, which we might understand from our Eastern context, which is like, hey, like, sometimes your own personal happiness isn't, like, the best thing for right. the entire nation, right? That, that there is this view of collectivism that, hey, my father's name is important. Hey, my family's inheritance is important. And I think this whole thing being at the end of numbers illustrates the complexity of social justice and the complexity of following God's will. That here is something that, you know, uh, chapters before you thought was kind of settled and then you realized, oh, wait, you know, we have to remember this and we have to work this out, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which especially right now, you know, if in the, 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 in this Me Too movement and a lot of these social justice issues, you know, I think there's a lot of people that were kind of feeling like, I thought we were over this. I thought that we were past this point, right? That mm-hmm. these things didn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And there is an acknowledgement here that, no, even this people of God that have been walking in the Lord's presence, they're still going to struggle with how to really implement social justice. Mm-hmm. And I think this also just shows me, you know, <coughs> like, hey, like, we do understand that um, there are these laws that do seem restrictive and do seem like weird, but I think in the end we know that all these laws point to Christ, right? Like that Jesus left his inheritance and gave it to us through his death. And so I think it's just awesome to see that um, in a world where Jesus could just inherit everything, he was able to transfer it to us. Right. And so, you know, our lives after salvation, um, not only 
remembrance of Christ as the Word in the Word, but also in the presence of the Holy Spirit, whose one one of his jobs, right, is to recall to us that which Jesus has spoken. And I think that that necessity is not just kind of an emotional necessity, but it's a practical necessity. To live in the Word is a practical necessity because there's going to be issues in our lives that we don't really have the answers to. Because the Bible doesn't spell it out super clearly either. And yet, when we are in accordance with God's Word, as verse 5 says, you know, He will guide us and He will lead us. Which is awesome! Okay, bye.